This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality. Hey, this is Bob Camp, co-creator of The Renaissance Show, and you're listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. This week, I give thoughts and run down the games announced in Nintendo's Indie World Showcase. Gotham Knights for the PS4 and Xbox One? Cancelled. Then, in our final stage, I give thoughts on Reggie fils book, Disrupting the Game. All this and more as ACMG presents Talk Time Live Extra. Select start. Welcome to the show to give you all the news, views, and opinions in the world of gaming. This is ACMG presents Talk Time Live Extras. Select start with your host, Xavier Josiah. Power up and game on. Everybody and welcome back to another game-filled episode of Select Start. I am your host Xavier Josiah. Uh, we got some bits of news to talk about, but most of all, I wanted to discuss the new book by Reggie Fils-Aimé, the former president and COO of Nintendo. Uh, very interesting book. I am looking forward to talking about the highlights of what I've read or heard because I listened to the Audible version. I, I just for this for some purposes, I prefer to listen to the uh, Audible version, especially if it's being told by the person who it's based on and they're narrating it so reggie is all over this book as you would expect and uh, very interesting things that he talked about some things i didn't even know about him and his upbringing and his heritage and whatever and whatnot i i was blown away uh pun reading it. so we'll talk about that and why you may want to check it out too especially if you're a nintendo fan if you're a gaming fan or if you're just somebody looking to understand how business works because he runs it all down from there so we'll be getting deeper into that but we got other news to talk about as well um a lot of things going on this week for talk time live especially too um just put it out there right now i'm doing a bit of a foreign exchange if you will so wrestling fans you will enjoy this because i i think sometime next week i'm gonna set up a special video game podcast with a special guest um a gentleman that i have been talking to for some time on uh social media and been uh, acquainted with him and his crew who just happens to be the host of one of my favorite wrestling podcasts in canada um this show that was once known as called the law uh, live audio wrestling which is canada's most premier uh wrestling radio and if you guys are wrestling fans you know that wrestling is a big deal it's a huge deal still in uh canada um like bret hart is their bret farf <laughs> yeah uh, in that area still he's still legend he's their wayne gretzky if you will um but these guys have been around since the 90s but then they had to they had to they rebranded because they uh their tv station or stuff like that that was happening along the way so now they're known as sunday night's main event um they used to play on tsn i think they still are in tsn or they in another radio station regardless but they've been around for quite some time and uh i've been following these guys forever they're connected to some of 
the most exclusive wrestling media around and uh they're just awesome so they have a new generation of hosts there and somehow some way i've managed to you know get acquainted with a lot of them and one in particular invited me to uh be a guest host on his show to talk about aew rampage which you guys know i'm an aew fan anyway so that's right up my alley i'm looking forward to that so that will be actually sometime uh this weekend because rampage uh as of this recording is today is on friday so i'm going to be on air with them or with him uh with boris aguilera uh who's one of the uh host and team members of the show and he does a few podcasts within in their patreon uh accounts and such but also he is agreed to come on to my show so what i'm going to do with him since you know this is wrestling I'm going to do I'm going we're going to run down our top five wrestling games of all time. And there are a lot of wrestling games out there. There are much whether you guys know it or not, there are over hundreds of wrestling games out there. And I want, I'm just interested in seeing where he is in the realm of that. Has he gone to the norm in terms of, you know, the Aki engine games or stuff like that? Or is he actually does he actually go deeper like I have, you know, playing like you know the, the games on the dreamcast wrestling games on super nes the imports all that stuff see where he see how where his head is at with that but um looking forward to talking to him having that you know deal because we have enjoyed each other's company and we're watching you know live you know texting and live uh thread of you know rampage and and, and uh, dynamite and such like that it, it's you know he, he's he's seems like a really cool dude so i'm looking forward to being on a show with him so stay tuned for that but check him out and check out the rest of the crew at sunday night's main event you can listen to it i listen to i've been listening to it online forever uh on tsn but these guys are absolutely great they even talk to uh dave Meltzer on a re- on a weekly basis so there's that credibility right there for those who understand and appreciate dave Meltzer uh, and his uh contributions to wrestling history if you will but yeah i'm looking forward to that so stay tuned for that and uh also for comic book fans i am bringing back one of my favorite guys uh here and uh, i didn't know if i would uh, bring him back again but we're in the works of coming having him come back jeffrey thorne who you guys know he he's done a lot you know actor of uh in the heat of the night um showrunner for uh avengers black panther's quest writer of many comic books including recently the green lantern series and now he is now the writer for blood syndicate the return of the blood syndicate which is a book from milestone media uh and their rise and come back so now he's a part of the team and i the, the first uh issue is out and i can't wait to talk to him about this because i feel like this is going for full circle for him and we talked about it in our first i think the first time he's ever come on i think this is going to be the fifth time or sixth time he's going to be on the show but each time is something different and is dope and oh i should also say he also was the writer for the tv show power book two ghost which was uh which starred method man and uh mary j blige as well he was uh one of the writers for that um yeah i'm looking forward to talking because blood syndicate is a big one i would say this is a significantly big um deal for him because it's part of milestone media you know Dwayne mcduffie and 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 the entire group there uh the it's uh, 
all black media group that uh you know resurfaced thanks to jim lee and dc comics and such like that so i am so looking forward to talking to him about that and much more with this so stay tuned for that as well but i digress let's get down to some gaming news for god's sakes um we got to talk about the nintendo indie world rundown i just passed um something last uh this week and you know i i praise as i do absolutely praise nintendo's showcases especially their uh nintendo direct showcases because they never seem it rarely do you ever see that those disappoint but when it comes to the indie world showcases it's a it could be a hit or miss type of situation because indie world showcases provide more of an artistic you know uh presentation with it so uh, you know a lot of these games which nintendo tends to support are games that like are totally about art and creativity and expression which are great but you gotta also be interested in wanting to play it and sometimes i look at these and this is just me personally i'm talking just specifically for me i don't expect my views perspectives inferences to rub off an interview that's just me but sometimes there are some games that i like okay this is really cute i like this this is beautiful i like the art style but will it want me to invest in the game that's a whole thing that's a whole nother situation there but there's something for everybody with these indie world games and that's the great part so there's some games that i feel like they're catering to the um the animal crossing you know crowd and some people that are more action-based or whatever like that it you know like i said it's hit or miss but indie worlds are a little bit more you know diluted in terms of um anticipation for me and excitement for me but i'll run down the list of the games maybe i will uh mention something this one because this one right here i wasn't really too hot on or excited for once i saw it it was it was like a 20 minute um show for this one so nothing really big or or excuse me exclusive going on here but let's start with um the game called oblets which uh released in early access on xbox and pc in july of 2020 uh this is expected to come out in 2022 this is like a 3d platformer uh type of deal really kind of gives animal crossing vibes to it here so you know expect that to come out soon um there's an action rpg that looks pretty cool it looks okay i don't think it's something um it, it kind of gives me phoenix rising vibes it's called batora lost haven uh it looks pretty good but i, I don't know if i'm gonna ex- necessarily be all on it as much especially when there's other really dope games that are gonna be gonna be coming out uh around the time when this comes out too which is like the fall of 2022 um basically is a 16 year old girl uh avril and players will need to use her powers to save her planet after a catastrophic event changed everything which is kind of a routine you know storyline for these type of games for these type of platformers here so um expect that fall of 2022 uh elect head actually looked really interesting because it gave me like old school Mega Man vibes and here you have a character who's basically his weapon is his head and he in his body he detaches his head from his body and moves around you know to 
you know, complete puzzles and obstacles or whatnot. So I think just I, the fact that they designed this, you know, the stages and everything to give it that old school Mega Man Capcom vibe. I, I did like the look of that. I'll, that's something I'm probably going to keep my eye on. Um, that is expected to come later this in, in the summer. So stay tuned for that. Um, we also have a very interesting, unique game, Soundfall which is a dungeon crawler uh game with rhythm based music gameplay so you know there's a bit of a hybrid in that type of uh, situation there um save the world and wait what is that coming out they didn't actually give a release date for this but it is in the works oh wait it is actually i'm sorry it's a it's already available out now on uh, the eShop. So um, you guys can check that out and uh, see what you think of that. And uh, what is this? The tactical roguelike builder, deck uh, builder, uh, Wild Frost, Eternal Frost, and the tactical. And basically, I'm reading from IGN's uh, rundown, by the way. Um, Wild Frost is the, is the game that kind of gives it a little bit of a Animal Crossing vibe to it in here. Um, it's like they consider it the latest entry in deck building genre and adds a tactical and roguelike element alongside asking players to stop uh, an eternal frost. So in addition to the card based gameplay, players will be, uh, be able to customize and upgrade companion cards, build up a hub town and much more. So it's card base meets, you know, sim building. What it, sound, what it sounds like um this is coming out in the holiday season there a, another interestingly artistic uh game with um which is called totally accurate battle simulator uh took to the pc so this is a game that was on a pc in 2019 it's coming out uh later this summer for the switch so looks very interesting there's a lot of uh comedy uh, feel to it as well um you also have gunbrella which is coming out too uh this is a 2d side scroller game right here which is coming out in 2023 so stay tuned for that it does look interesting um i like the old school 2d game but i also like the lighting and shadow that uh the developers you know brought into that game as well so i do appreciate that aspect of it too um there is another game called uh, OFK, which is kind of a making a band type of game. It pretty much comes off like a simu uh, simulation game uh, that will take players through the ups and downs of trying to make your dreams come true. Now, this is interesting because this is like a simulation of life if you will um you can replace band with podcast you can replace band with um other any other projects that you're doing with a group to see if everybody gels together see if everybody's going to work together which is interesting um it's a playable animated series uh with fully voice cast and such so um and it looks to be like episodic so there's going to be different episodes that will be released weekly upon this too so that actually i'm i am interested in this this is uh i'm gonna keep my eye on that one right there dive deep into a puzzle game called uh what is this this is the i think i did see this game here let me see 
harrowing op, uh, ocean abyss and this is like a basically a 2d puzzle game which is going to be able to play um spiral is made by spiral circus and uh fireshine games and basically you're going to just be it's it, i kind of forgot what game it just reminds me of because there's another game that's just all black and white and it was very creepy just like this but you see this character that's underwater and he's kind of got like powers of aquaman he's able to talk to fish in a certain way and use the fish to get him out of certain obstacles and situations it actually from an artistic standpoint it looks absolutely beautiful i love the black and white art style and the gradation of you know and the grayscale type of thing going on here it looks awesome it looks awesome I, whether i would play it i'm not necessarily sure if i'm going to be totally into a game like this but i can see i can see quite a few people being into this and um he does have some sort of powers that allows him to unleash and open up new puzzles and it's called silt so uh, expect that to come in june uh, 2022 uh for them so <clears throat> you also have dinosaur uh polo club who um wants to empower its players to fix the world's traffic problem in there so um this is a game that's coming out later today uh or actually is out now i should say so that's there too uh we also have what is this this game here become a journalist casey bannon's journey to the curious flying hospital in wayward strand so uh this game basically is coming out on july 21st 2022 uh kind of gives me sort of like this is definitely simulation vibes but and this is it sounds like a detective more or less a you know detective uh series like much like uh paul um uh, phoenix Wright, if you will but it also looks like uh, uh tintin as well in here so you got that going for you if you're into this type of uh game genre this will be for you i will not be checking that out um we also have another action-based game, uh, uh, Cult of the Lamb, which I did see. Looks very uh, innovative, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, looks really interesting. I'm, something I may not be totally into myself. Um, then I believe the last what, was this the last game that they had on this on this uh, deal. Uh, what is this called? I hate you know what i really hate about the ign rundown is that they don't name the games totally in the right direction and they use their narratives too much with it but um another crab's treasure is a 3d based game you play a crab and it looks okay it looks pretty cool but i i, I this is a game that i don't see too many people really getting high on i mean this is going to be a dis distinct a niche type of group that are maybe like into this type of artsy style deal same with uh gibbons beyond um the trees like these are very artistic style video games that you know mostly are expressionate based and uh gives you more of a type of different feel and different way of playing and such so you know that are that's pretty much all of the indie games that they had none of them really stood out to me in this case um you know wayward strand 
like I said, looks interesting. You know, it's like that Phoenix Wright style, you know, just going around and, you know, uh, checking out clues and stuff like that. Um, I think we are OFK probably is the one that interested me the most. Gunbrella also was the one that interested me the most. Um, Soundfall was also interesting in uh, Elected pretty much was the one I think stood out to me the most, but it didn't give me that I gotta play it. I'm ready to play it. I'll pre-order right now type of vibe. None of them did to me. And it's not to say that they're not good or uh, whether they're good or bad, regardless, it's just maybe just the advertisement and presentation of it didn't excite me enough to say I want to really jump on it. And I think that's one thing that a lot of these games do have to work on um these developers do have to work on is the presentation and it is which is something that reggie fees may talks about in his book that we'll talk about later on and this is one of the situations it's like i think every developer i'm hoping every developer reads reggie's book because he talks about advertisement and promoting and how you need to how to reach your target audience, which is something that I've been saying to my clients for some time. And when it comes to, you know, promoting your game and your indie game, especially you got to bring on a presentation. It's like, wow, I will tell you this. The one thing, the biggest pet peeve I hate about promotional ads when it comes to um, video games are games that show all flash and no gameplay. I cannot stand that. Like I hate when I go through the eShop and I look at whatever games is coming out and some games will do the following. They will only show no, they will show no gameplay. And it's like a, a really cool animated, like, uh, you know, like an animated uh, display of what the characters are and all the stuff, but you see no gameplay. So there's like, as cool as that looks, can we at least see some gameplay out of this? Like, I remember, uh, I think Hades did that, but also later on, also they showed gameplay footage as well. So they mixed, they, they mixed the two together. So when Supergiant did that, when I first saw Hades and when people first saw Hades, it was like, okay, this is a roguelike game, action game. This is dope. But then you got this animated and we talked about it. Great Castlevan, uh, talked about it on my show when this game came out and the animated, you know mixing the two together is great but when you just have only the animated deal or you gotta you know the the graphic up and all the stuff but there's no sign of gameplay there's no video footage of it that turn that's a turn off for me i can't speak for anybody else listening but that's a big turn off for me when it comes down to that so i think presentation really plays in the, into um gaining interest with a lot of these things and it's like something that you should already know but you know, sometimes it just doesn't go through. Cause I think I, I always say, I always say to people too, when it comes to advertising and promotion, you can sell everything. If you put it, if you put it in the right presentation, hell graffiti, graffiti can, you can sell graffiti to any artist if you promote it and present it the right way. Like a lot of people see graffiti on walls as not art or, you know, just vandal, uh, vandalizing. But if you have the right person who can sell it to a person, right, you will be able to sell that for millions. Okay. So 
I tell you, man, like uh, that's the one thing I would I would definitely say for all the uh, some of these indie developers out there right now. It's like your game could be great, but like if you don't make it look exciting, if you don't make me want to grab it, that's kind of a problem with that. So that is the rundown for the indie world presentation. I mean, lukewarm at best. If I give it a grade, it'll probably be like a B minus presentation to me, like in terms of the games that I that just really didn't excite me as much when I first saw it. Um, and it's expected. This is indie world. This is not Nintendo Direct. Nintendo Direct is usually like the real main event where all the top quality games are, you know, coming out. And it's not to say that the indie games aren't top quality. It's just they put on a bigger presentation. And I don't think just because they're, they're major companies that they can't put on major presentations. That's not true at all. It's all in how you can produce a promo and an ad for your game. If you do it the right way, if you have the right music, if you got the right editing and all this stuff, you can really, you know, put in some work with that. So we, you know, it, you know, we'll see how that goes down the line with, with the, I mean, there's going to be some really great indie games coming out that are going to really get it and understand it, but we'll see. Let's switch to some other news here. And I want to give thoughts on WB games decision to cancel and release Gotham Knights for, or cancel the release of Gotham Knights for the PlayStation 4 and Xbox. Um, there really is no word on why WB decided to make this game new gen exclusive, but this will no doubt assure that the game will not have to worry about trying to make different versions of the game, which has been known to cause a lot of problems with uh, some developers in terms of time and, you know, trying to equal out some of the things. Cause you know, there are times when, especially when the transition of generations of consoles come out, there's always going to be like a one for the old version and one for the new version, but the old version will have features, limited features compared to the new version because the new version are, has the ability to supersede things that the old one has. You'll see different features that you can't do on a PS4, for instance, that you could do on a PS5. Um, loading alone is going to play a factor here. You know, let's. I will give you a great example. Two games that I can talk about: Guilty Gear Strive, which loading time is like effort, like effortless in seconds. Spider in both Spider-Man games, both Spider-Man games, and also I would say, um, I'll add another one: Horizon uh, Forbidden West. Um, all those games, the the loading time is like. There is no, there's virtually no loading time in those games. But if you go to the PS4 versions of those games, there's loading time in there. And it's not necessarily that long per se. It is roughly less than a minute. But if you play it on a PS5, it's, you, you, there is no loading time at all with that. So, um, that plays a factor in it too. But there's also some other features and rather cosmetic, visual, whatever that, you won't be able to do there. Sometimes there's even play mechanics uh, on on the uh, new gen games that you can't play on the current gen systems. So, it, you know, taking that aspect out allows them to fo totally focus on everything that they want to focus on with the newer games. So I kind of understand, and they didn't say that, but that's my that's my hypothesis on possibly why they were trying to do this, and it allows them to be able to come out. With the games faster so many pre-gen game owners are upset 
with the decision, I understand, especially because gamers are still finding it hard to acquire a uh, new gen console due to the chip shortage and other situations going on uh, based on a pandemic and such. Um, we're going to talk about that too in terms of Nintendo and PlayStation as well. I just saw an article just recently before I started the show saying that, you know, PlayStation may not be able to meet demands again um for consoles to be sold because of they're still regardless of what the, the the climate right now there's still economic issues going on here um you know not just with the game industry and you know people inflation student loans all that stuff there's still we're we're we're, we're far from out of the loop right now and this plays a factor um other gamers and most notably new gen game owners are pleased with the decision saying that it's time for developers to focus more on the new gen games um which has superior capabilities to provide the ultimate game experience and uh, here's another example um and i don't know if they're still out of loop because i haven't gone back to play that game but cyberpunk 2077 i think would have done greatly had it not they had they not tried to do a playstation 4 and xbox version um, I think that was part of the problem. It was just one of the problems. And that game is just trash on the PS4. It on a PS4, it looks like it it looks like a Nintendo Switch version of the game. It, it, just, it just looks horrible. Like it was like trying to put that that game should not have looked like it did on a on a, uh on a PS4. It just shouldn't. PS5 does look okay, but I'm always skeptical to play that game because it just, I haven't played it in a while. I got, I got it again, but it was like for like 20 bucks or 24 bucks or whatever like that. It was really cheap or fit. Was it 15 bucks? They sold it for really cheap because they lost out heavily on this thing. So, um, I ended up getting it again and I was like, I, one of these days I'll try to play through it again. But you know, me and FPS games, there are only there's certain games I'm going to enjoy and certain games I'm not at this point. You know, I'm I'm starting to find my, the gist of what I want to see in, in FPS games. And I don't know, Cyberpunk is still that game yet. I was enjoying the story, but it just wasn't there. But nonetheless, I, who knows what could have happened if they would have only focused on the new gen games rather than trying to get onto the old gen at this point. Who knows? You know, um, my thoughts with this, like I said, it's just the decision could have quicken the process and i think that could be the reason why they decided to opt out and because if they if they still had to focus on trying to make this for the ps4 or xbox uh one the, the release date probably would have been longer than it was and making multiple versions could have resulted in longer release dates not to mention current uh, gen consoles may not have the ability to have the grand experience and we don't know we've seen some gameplay footage of gotham knights and the open world look and feel of it. But um, I don't know if, I mean, we've seen PS4 be able to handle open world games before, but like now PS5 and Xbox Series X and S are able to expand on that more, adding so much more to it. And then on top of that, again, having no loading time. So I could possibly see how that may play. I'm sure there are other factors to it as well, but I'm possibly seeing that, you know, from 
my perspective that could be possibly one um the game is available for pre-order now on the ps5 in xbox series x i actually did pre-order it myself um so i'm looking forward to playing it uh, which as it will be released on october 25th 2022 so the fact that they actually have it for pre-order right now is a good thing but that can also change too <laughs> you know predates pre-orders have been known to do it but the fact that they have it out and ready to be pre-ordered um that's a good sign it's not a the greatest of signs because things have happened before but it is a good sign so we let's hope that that's what happens there so all right let's go into some news in regards to nintendo i mean we've talked about the situation that has been brought to everybody's attention in regards to the uh moral and ethics of the company of nintendo of america as a late but uh regardless of that apparently nintendo sold more games last year despite the console sales dropping again let a lot some a lot of that plays into the idea that they weren't people weren't able to get the nintendo switch oled at the time and um look like i said i was very fortunate that i was able to get it when i did because uh, if you guys go into talktimelive.com and go into um the blog page i recorded i was there in new york the day that the oled released and you'll see i took footage of the lines that were going around the corner from nintendo new york as people were waiting for Met to get metroid dread and the nintendo switch OLED, and somehow some way i was able to come back later on that night only to find out that they had extra consoles available so and then it turns out that was the case for new york that wasn't the case for everywhere else so again if this happens again down down the line if anybody lives in the delaware valley region or anywhere near new york I say the best thing to do if you ever want to get a console is to go to Nintendo New York because nine years out of 10, they will have a large amount of units available for me. The fact that I was able that it was like morning time when I got when I recorded all that footage of that line of people waiting, it was like well over well, well over 100, maybe even two um, of people waiting in line to, you know, get those consoles and the games and all that stuff. And then for me to come back like six that evening after I came from New York Comic Con to actually find out that I could get one, you know, that's saying a lot. So, but I knew, like I said, um, that's not the case everywhere. Like the GameStops and Philly here and all the other places and everything wasn't the case for that. But um, apparently, nonetheless, they sold more games from out of this. Um, they sold 235 million games for the switch it makes me feel so much better because when i look back at my backlog of games that i bought in 2021 i was blown away at how many games i actually played and bought or or got review codes for it but it was just which i didn't i think only got like i think only got like one review code last year and then the rest of it was like i invested in those games last year um Maybe no, I think two. I think one, two actually, because uh, I knew Dawn of the Monsters was one of them. Um, I think I did get two last year. I I, for, I forgot which ones. Two or three. I forgot which ones it was, but 
if you go back to see all the games that I reviewed, a lot of those games I actually paid out of pocket for it. And then the rest of them, some of them were game reviews uh, or review codes there. But um, sometimes, I mean, I'll take a review code from time to time, but I, I've said it before. I don't mind paying out of pocket because to me, paying out, paying out of pocket is part of the experience. So if I find myself playing a game that I feel that is worth the money, I'm going to be happy organically happy if i find a game that i paid for and it's not good i'm going to be organically upset and that plays a factor into my reviews as well which i feel like is more empathetic in this case so um according to ign the fiscal year 2021 earnings report the company explained that software sales both for first party and third party games rose one rose by 1.8 percent year to year to 235.07 million units that is really actually pretty damn good um nintendo says that this is the highest annual software sales figure ever posted for a uh, nintendo platform which does say how successful the switch is i i, I myself i have always said that the switch is absolutely the greatest nintendo console they've ever done um, not just from hardware standpoint, but just just the ability what it's able to do, and and it's just awesome. It's just an awesome. Uh, it it plays it, it it everything that they've done from the console version and the handheld version combines here. I love that. So I this is one of the game systems that I knew like when they first advertised it and promoted, and they and of course their presentations are always great. Um, their marketing is is always stellar. But it's just beyond that, the, the logistics of the game and, the, and how it works and everything from that. I knew that this is something I wanted to invest in. And, I, and given Nintendo's past history, they've constantly evolved their technology in a way that you're, you're going to enjoy this. You're absolutely going to enjoy this. Um, but unfortunately, the hardware itself, the switch itself didn't fare well because, you know, the the high standard, you know, the consoles, you know, demand for these consoles weren't there between them. Again, according to IGN, the three consoles, the three switch models sold to uh, 23 million units in fiscal year 2021. And while this is a successful number by comparison of uh, PlayStation 5's 11.5 million, in the same period, uh, it's a drop for them uh, from, you know, it's a drop from them, you know, from 2020. And again, I think the pandemic plays a factor in this as well. So um, I here's the hoping that things will get better, but like they're still having problems. There's still component shortages. Um, there's still things that they aren't able to do because the you know supply and demand is just not there and that's not just nintendo going through that that is everybody going through that rest i mean game companies you know other companies out there um everybody's going through that too you know playstation 5 we, we're going to talk about that too playstation 5 misses its 2021 sales target but um aims for its stronger strongest year yet according to ign here um they sold 19.3 million units uh, in the fiscal year 2021, according to 
this article here. Um, but they targeted by 3.3 million. They fell short of 3.3 million of Nair. And despite the the uh, drop, they expect to sell more units than ever before the next year. But again, I just read an article or just recently on this same platform that now says that they won't be make, be able to meet demands. Uh, it is it's it's just a uh, this is really interesting because businesses are business much to people's misconceptions running a business is not easy um there's a lot of things that go into these situations that i think a lot of people don't understand i i just had this conversation on instagram with um a guy who felt entitled to want to bash retro soft gate retro soft studios the people behind you know mike herman and and the, and the crew behind um retro mania wrestling because their update hasn't dropped yet and i know and understand what is happening in terms of how that process happens with you know once they submit a game or update or patch or whatever like that it takes a while because there are a lot of people and i've, I've explained this last week i've explained this last week about how these games take a while once they get submitted it's not an instant like okay you can go in nintendo sony xbox microsoft whatever they gotta evaluate steam they gotta evaluate these games they have to evaluate these games to make sure they meet their requirements and their protocol the same way content creators go on youtube and want to advertise or promote or whatever like that i do the same thing if i want to advertise and promote i got to meet certain criterias in order to be approved for promotions or whatever like that or you know just distribution i have to meet certain requirements for this um one of which is basically you know making sure that it is cooperative to the schematics of the consoles and the controllers or whatnot so that takes time and then not any furthermore they're not the only ones uploading their game or patch or updates for approval other games on air if you have you seen the east the eShops uh library or the playstation network library there are hundreds of games there all of them are constantly updating constantly adding you know dlc to their content adding some new things but they have to meet the requirements hence why you know when cyberpunk 2077 failed to meet those requirements it was taken down because it was constantly failing and it wouldn't come back up until they met demands which is detriment to their brand and the company so you know cd project red had they had a lot to a damage control to do when they did that because it just wasn't meeting up to standards nintendo is very strict and i mean very strict to that so sometimes it takes no more than a few days depending on you know whether you're on this queue list of people that are waiting to get accepted and sometimes it takes a week or two to actually do um like if you put it on steam takes no time because steam i feel like they treated their, their platform like a testing site for games to do what they're doing and then come on later on to um you know to the other sites to make sure that it's approved but as of right now these sites haven't you know i can't speak for playstation but um nintendo switch hasn't yet to be approved yet but the update is coming so the, the guy i was talking with felt like he was being you know treated unfairly or he you know he felt 
ill will towards the company because they take too long to come out. First of all, can I say again, if any of you listen to any of the interviews that we have with game developers, with indie game developers on this show, then you will know and learn that a lot of these guys are a team of at minimum three at minimum. Sometimes it's even only one person doing it, but minimum of three, sometimes maybe five people that are working on the game. Like if you watch the game awards all the time and you got these indie developers that are being nominated, um, like I think the group who created among us, there was like a team of five. That's a really small amount of people to make these games coming out. And then you don't know how long it takes for them to come out with these games and things happen. I know in Mike Herman's case that he, that some developers had to drop, you know, had ended up leaving. He had to find other developers to help prolong the game and such like that. I mean, there's just a lot that goes on in his process and kudos to Mike Herman because he's never lied to any of the people, his target audience and group. He's always said when things happen, these things happen like for him to try to berate and belittle and bash them because it took them long. And it wasn't like they were hiding. It wasn't like there was 2K games who constantly don't tell you what the hell's going on and why these things are happening and, you know, keep the curtain closed. No, Mike Herman keeps that clock, that, that, that curtain open. He is very transparent, sometimes too damn transparent, if you ask me. But in this case, I'm glad that he's transparent because he's always explained how these things happen. And then, but guess what? When he finally does, the game comes out solid. And that's the game is still fun to play. The same, the game comes out solid and it comes out looking good and playing good. Whereas I had conversation with people on Twitter about like, wrestling empire that they were trying to promote and make seem like that game. No, that game is so outdated. And when I talked about it in comparison to WrestleMania, Retromania wrestling, they were trying to say, they actually tried to say that the game was trash. And I almost feel like that they were friends of M Dickey or M Dickey and you know, a burner account because there was like, there was no way they could convince me or they could persuade me to believe that wrestling empire is a better wrestling game it is not there is so much collision detection issues in there the 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 gameplay is outdated is very slow moving and on top of that it, it it's just like he could have done so much better hiring other people to help you know make the game a little bit more solid because the game it's not to say wrestling empire has no potential but the game could use some help get another developer to help you out, whether for a passion project reason or whatever, but that game has the means to be a better game, but it's not because it's just everywhere. It's so convoluted. It, it's, it, there's no structure with that game. There is much structure with, um, Retromania. So, I mean, like, but in hindsight, you, you gotta understand how these guys work and what goes into it. And, you know, sometimes even the bigger companies like PlayStation, like these things happen, man. Like when you got the pandemic going on, it suffers. Everybody's suffering from it. this is not just a Sony thing. It's not just a Nintendo thing. It's everybody, everybody in this thing. So, I mean, hopefully next year, both will be able to strive better and maybe hopefully the economy be better. I mean, we're going through some rough times right now in the real world. 
like I said, I mentioned inflation. I mentioned, you know, people aren't able to pay for student loans as a result. Hell, they barely able to pay the gas prices right now. And these things happen. So like when it comes to, you know, games like this, hopefully they are staying strong and hopefully they will continue to and things hopefully will change for both and all because I'm, I'm Microsoft. If they're if these two are, are have any same experience, I damn sure know Microsoft is too. There's no way in hell you're going to convince me that Microsoft's not going through any of this right now. So I I hope for a better 2023, but that plays along with the economy. You know, it, it's a call. It's, it's a string of cause and effect. Um, the economy has to play a factor to this. Like people are have to be able to afford these type of situations. It's there's a lot going into it, folks. But, you know, please do not assume anything. That's some of the biggest misconceptions that we have is people assume they understand what the hell's going on with these things. So that's all I got to say about that. And folks, that will do it for this segment. We're going to take a break, come back, and I am going to discuss the new book by Reggie fils His basically his memoir talking about his journey from the Bronx to being on the top of Nintendo, disturbing the game. We'll talk about that right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dax Xavier Josiah, the host of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the podcast. You want to catch up with all of our podcast shows and hear from some of the hottest names in all of anime, comics, movies, and games, such as... This is Miley Flanagan, the voice of Naruto. This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon. This is Ruben Langdon, the voice of Ken Masters and Dante from Devil May Cry. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter V. This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go! Here's your chance to check out all of that and more on Talk Time Live. TalkTomLive.com provides all of our ACMG content with new and previous episodes, exclusive interviews, articles, and much more. Visit TalkTomLive.com and let us help you learn to let go, live life, and love all things ACMG. Talk Time Live! have reached the final stage of this program and i'm here to review not a game this time but a book a book by reggie fils the former coo and president of nintendo and man this guy has already amazed me before but you know getting to listen to the audible of this book or even reading a book or whatever it's fascinating but i'd like the audible better because i get to hear his voice and i get to hear him talk about what he went through. So it's a little bit more intimate to experience hearing his voice talk about it. It feels like I'm listening to one of his seminars and one of his speaking engagements or E3 or whatever like that. But or it's just an amazing, amazing book um, or audible or audio book, if you want to call it. I really enjoyed this. It's about eight hours and it talks about a lot of things. The biggest thing 
that uh, I totally blew me away. And uh, part of me, I think I did question this in my mind um, of Reggie's ethnicity because yes, he, he is a lighter complexion and lighter pigmentation, but he didn't necessarily look all Caucasian. Like he looked like there was something there. You know, I've discovered from him saying it himself that he's from a Haitian heritage uh, growing up in the Bronx. And I was like, oh dude, he's black. So this whole entire time, I didn't realize that a black man actually was running Nintendo. You know, now some people may consider it like he, you know, I don't need the question I, I, I never knew is and they never explained in the book. He never explained in the book is did they know of his hair, his uh, Haitian heritage? And if so, I'm wondering if they would have hired him, you know, now Nintendo, J J Nintendo is Japan. So that's a whole new ideology. They don't have the same ideology and, and, and hangups that we have here in the States. But it's just amazing that he was able to reach this height in all of the places that he's worked in. But a lot of it sometimes stem from the idea that he's not a darker skin, you know, person of color. He is of a lighter skin and that plays a little bit of a colorism factor to how things work in America. So I, against unbeknownst to me, I did not know his heritage like that, but it's dope to know that a person of color and a black man was the president of one of the biggest gaming companies ever, you know, to this day, like this hundred and something year old, 130 year old company is being run by a black man for a very successful amount of time, you know? So that was the most amazing thing about that aspect. And you know, I, it, it just made it also like, okay, that's where the swag comes from. <laughs> it all makes sense now, but he talks deeply about his friendship with the late, uh, Satoru Iwata, who we all know passed away, um, some time, uh, ago and, um, big loss for Nintendo, a very big loss for Nintendo, uh, as we now discovering and learning, you know, of the things that are going on after the passing of Iwata and, it's just it was just really interesting and uh, very cool to hear him talk about his relationship and friendship with this man who has earned his respect and vice versa during the process of them working together but he was talking about how he learned about him being diagnosed with cancer and how iwata wanted him to leave his wife's birthday to travel to japan to talk to him personally and it was really important that he talked to him only to just you know announce his diagnosis to reggie and that's a really interesting relationship right there um to have where you one he wants to specifically talk to you to let him know about that and to two for reggie to really travel you know to that far to talk to him and they all he also talked about how like when he was in a hospital how he wanted to talk to uh iwata and, and see how he was doing and you know which iwata kind of declined a few times he said because their culture does not involve people really having that much empathy or, or sympathy towards somebody like that and R reggie was not having it he was like no i want to go see hi to you and see how you were doing that's that's gonna happen and it did and it was i thought that was a really cool story that he told with that I, it, 
this, this book is just amazing. Like, if you ever appreciated Nintendo in general, um, Nintendo Japan is, is in particular, and um, Sagiro uh, Miyamoto and Iwata and stuff like that, Reggie gives you an inside look at them and how he was able to be able to coexist with them and work with them and how they were able to see his initiative and do some unconventional things that Nintendo was not used to doing. And I, I, I absolutely enjoyed this because I like to believe that I share a similar ambition that Reggie has, um, but he was able to take his ambition and go really far and keep collecting his you know, respect throughout other areas too. Reggie also talks about his past jobs, not just Nintendo. Like he's not just talking about Nintendo. He's talking about everything leading up to Nintendo, even from his childhood and how he grew up and how he was raised to getting to these jobs and such and going to Cornell University and such like and, and such. Um, you know, this includes a lot of trial and errors as well that he's going through. And I really really like that he was very transparent about this because it's something that i do all the time with my clients i i remember when um celebrating my 10th year anniversary of my business viewfinders identity search and design i also talked about in the video that i made about not only just the successes that i were able to do any opportunities that I, I was able to have but i also talked about that not every client that i have or had lived up to the expectations because they didn't follow protocol they didn't listen to advice they didn't take initiative or they were not well educated in handling a business and they felt that just having a logo and a look and a business card was automatically going to legitimize um, legitimize them into the business world and it's not the case so you're going to have some failures and there's going to be some errors and such like that and you just got to embrace it all and that's exactly what he did and that was very happy to hear him say that and a lot of other things which made really it, it it validated me it really validated everything that i was talking about and i also got to learn some other things from him as well that i didn't know about in this game it's like so if you're like an entrepreneur or if you're a person ready to get into the business world this book is absolutely the case i mean he talks about his trial and errors of being in marketing uh marketing manager for companies like you know, P&G, Procter & Gamble, Pizza Hut, Guinness, um, you know, and, and, and Panda Express, and especially VH1. Um, speaking of VH1, he deeply, and there's a part of the uh, book that he deeply discusses his experience in New York during September 11th and what he had to do to secure the safety and well-being of his staff during that time. And he talks vividly about him being in the office and they're watching i think they're watching good morning america i think i remember that day i was watching a today show and i think it was katie couric when she was still in the comp when, it, when she was still there and working with her today and everybody thought that you know the first plane going in was an accident and then you saw the second plane going into the second building and everybody was like no this is this is very well plotted he talks about how when they saw that second plane go in, they immediately went, looked at the screen, turned up the volume and was like, OK, we need to evacuate now because lo and behold, yes, they were in New York during that time. 
So they had, you know, they, they appointed Reggie to be the one to lead everybody into safety. And that was really a very crazy story, you know, that go through right there. And then also he had to talk about, you know, being a leader during those times like that and how to calm the people around you down and, and assure them that things are going to be okay. And, you know, stuff like that. And that's and not an easy thing for people to do. And I get it. Um, <clears throat> he talks deeply about how he wanted to, uh, advocate for diversity in the workplace. He wanted to hire people that normally these companies would not hire like female, uh, female employees that had the ability to make change. And I think PNG was the place that he was doing this and he was fighting for this because they were somebody that he wanted to nominate and promote for this position, but they wanted all males. They wanted to make it, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the reasons why I am glad not to be in corporate because the corporate structure in America is still archaic and outdated. Um, and I've worked for both a all male Republican type of environment. I also worked for an all female environment too. And that's a whole different situation too, is you think there's going to be difference and change? No, there actually, there's some similarities to both aspects and mindsets, but you know, the direction goes a different way, but it's never good for me <laughs> in this case. I'm like, it, it was just a no thing for me. Like I am that female employee that Reggie was trying to look out for in this case. And it's just, it's just one of those things. There's a lot of things that I can relate to when he was talking about the past jobs that he was working in. Uh, he also talks about his first encounter with, uh, Sagiro, uh, Miyamoto, the absolute legend himself and how they met and introduced, he was introduced to that. Reggie discussed, uh, points of what it takes to reach his goals in there. And of course his experience and introduction at his first E3, which went viral, of course. I remember that moment when I watched E3 and he first debuted it, debuted it as a speaker for this event. I never seen anything like him. I never seen a press. Now people, now people try to do more presentations like Reggie, but nobody was doing reg uh, presentations like Reggie before. He was so ambitious going out there. He was very assertive and aggressive in, in his approach which is something that Nintendo was not used to. And he talks about that and they decided to go with that direction. Iwata agreed that they should go with that direction there. There's some really great stuff in there that he talks about. Um, the discussion on how he would introduce himself to the crowd, which uh, at A3, which led to the famous quote, my name is Reggie. I'm about kicking ass. I'm about taking names and we're about making games. And that alone went everywhere i remember that so well um he discussed how the executives were afraid um to approach the crowd so aggressively like that and there's somebody and there was even saying like why are you so mad <laughs> he also you know um interesting so he did take time to talk about the issue of racism and so like okay i talked about in the beginning of this how colorism plays a factor like he gets the opportunities that some black people will not get because of our color but, but in, but in hindsight, we know that colorism consists of like sometimes lighter skinned black people getting better opportunities than darker skin, like, uh, darker skin, uh, black people in a sense. And this is an ongoing problem. It's always has been, um, you don't have to watch blackish 
to understand that this has been going on for quite some time but that doesn't mean that they're out of the loop that they get you know they get full immunity of racism no reggie himself still undergoes the situation regardless and he talks about that because there was a security guard backstage at e3 that didn't know who reggie was at the time and he kept back there waiting kept crossing him crossing him crossing him to see what's this dude doing and everything and reggie automatically knew what was going on so he just said that he went with it but it was very interesting that that's you know through his journey that he still encounters racism himself nobody's immune to it um i would also note that in this book the audible version another reason why i like to read the audible version because there's always some extra content that you don't get in the books uh mega Rand's, um book as well he added an extra chapter in his book that he, um we talked about too that was uh based on his father this is the same thing um jeff keely does a guest appearance in the audible version because he interviews reggie afterwards um didn't get a chance to get that far into it yet but i will tell you the book is absolutely awesome eight hours long uh, you get an extra incentive with it if you get the audible version if you subscribe to audible as well too you get credit points that will allow you to actually buy a book every month or a new book every month and they do collect too like you do end up collecting you know credits every so often so one credit equals a book that you want i got jr's book i got um I got a lot of different books. I got books on wrestling territories and stuff. Like you can pick that one credit to get any book. I got Will Smith's book recently too that I got to uh, check out. But Reggie Fizeme, I after reading this, after listening to this and hearing him talk about his life and his journey, I have all the respect in the world for this dude and what he was trying to, or what he did accomplish and what his ambition is and everything like, and it just makes me more proud to not only be a fan of Nintendo, but also to be a fan of his. And, you know, if when it comes down to it, when Black History Month comes in and we're appreciating, like Reggie fils has to be added on to that. And I officially, for my platform, will be adding Reggie into that platform because Reggie, he is black. He is of Haitian descent, but he is black. He is a person of color. For him to meet that height is astounding. And for him to make such an impact in the gaming industry, you know, he is a household name in the gaming industry, man. He is a true to life gamer. Uh, he talks about that with him and his son too, as well in there. And uh, them playing Street Fighter, Super Street Fighter as well and such. It's, it's a great book. If you're a Nintendo fan, um, if you're interested in the gaming industry, if you're interested in business period, this book covers a lot of different facets that I think will make people understand a little bit more things, how, how things go in the gaming industry, but also how business is done. And he gives you a lot of great lessons and lectures and, and, and advice on how to approach certain things or how to, you know, be a better leader or how to be a better you know, person, a, a entrepreneur, a person seeking to reach that goal or insight and stuff like that. So go out of your way, check this book out. Whether you get the hardcover or you get the audible version, this book is a must. Damn it, this book gets an A from like, a, I, I, I say A plus. I'll give it an A plus simply because he validates a lot of what I've been saying forever in terms of business. He validates all of it. Like he helped me understand it the decisions that I've made, the, the plans that I've done, I've been on the right road for quite some time. 
And of course, my road has led me to do some really awesome opportunities myself in time and still to this day. And, you know, I, I dig that. I, I appreciate his road and such later. So go out of your way, disturbing the game. Go out of your way, check it out. It's available now on Audible, it's available on hard copy and uh, wherever books are sold from there. So folks, that will do it for this edition of Select Start. We will go back into the video game reviews next week. I got a few new games that I uh, will be talking about. One of which is Pocky and Rocky uh, Reshrined. It hasn't come out into the States yet. I don't know when it is coming out to the States, but I got it as an import and it plays in English. So, um, got to talk about that the return of pocky uh uh pocky and rocky is there if you guys are old school super nes um gamers out there you will enjoy that trek to yumi will be reviewed next week and man if you like ghost of tsushima or old feudal japan movies like uh samurai 7 and stuff like that oh you're in for a treat with this one we will be reviewing that next week guaranteed this game is awesome <laughs> i mean visually awesome but also plays awesome as well so that will be reviewed thoroughly next week um i call it a wu-tang wet dream okay so that will be uh talked about next week um as far as the prime show i will have a prime show this week what i will be talking about reviewed is always tons of news to talk about but um also i don't know if i'm going to be reviewing anything or what the hell i'm going to talk about this week but we will have it and uh, nonetheless we'll enjoy another episode of that too so um definitely go out of your way and check that out but uh definitely much more to come and again i got guest appearances and interviews coming in the coming weeks as well so stay tuned me and jeff are gonna work out when are you gonna talk because blood syndicate again is out for milestone media dc and he's done it again man <laughs> i feel like every year he finds his way to come back onto the show and it's awesome because i always get to listen to new stuff that he's doing and i i can't wait to get my hands on talk uh blood syndicate i actually got the digital version so i'm looking forward to checking that out over the weekend and uh we'll give you more information on that as well so uh again please go out of your way check us out on uh talktimelive.com where you can check out all of our audio episodes. You can check out our video interviews and everything going on on there as well. Our blog pages, a lot of content on there for you to check out and more content coming soon. Guaranteed. Uh, I got some new uh, unbox items that will be coming soon. So stay tuned for that. Um, and then I have some other things going on too that I'm going to be uh, going down the line soon. So stay tuned for that. But if you also want to subscribe and download to your favorite podcast or wherever podcasts are played, you can do it in such places like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Popping, Audible, and everywhere, Tumblr, everywhere where podcasts are played, we are there. So Fountain as well. I want to point that out too. Um, you know, you can check us out there, but you know, you've heard about the whole Bitcoin situation. So um, there's that. <laughs> there's that situation here right now. But nonetheless, we are here and we thank all of you for taking the time to listen to this show. So again, thank you. And that'll do it for me. On behalf of myself, this is Dax Avery Josiah saying, learn to let go, live life, love all things, anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. I am 
out of here. Take care, and I will talk to you guys on Sunday. Music for this episode is provided by Game Chops. Check out these great chiptune tracks and more at music.gamechops.com.